Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. I'm excited that you're here for Easter. If you haven't noticed, we've basically branded or framed the whole experience uh, of Easter this season around this idea of good news. And I wonder, have you ever had somebody approach you and uh, make this statement like, hey, I've got some bad news and some good news. Anybody have that happen to you before? Isn't that kind of an intimidating moment? Like, not only are you wondering what they're going to tell you, but you have a choice to make because it's like, which do you want to hear first, the bad news or the good news? And I feel like that answer reveals a lot about your personality. So I just want to quiz the room today. Um, who in the room is like, give me the good news first? Anybody like show hands? Like two of you? I approve because I think you're wrong. Okay, so uh, <laughs> glad you're here. But like, who does that? Where's my bad news first, people? Yeah. Right? It's the reasonable thing to do because it, you don't know how bad it's going to be and you don't know how good the other thing's going to be, but like maybe it'll balance out in the end, right? Like there's some, at least you end on a high note. That's all I'm saying. You're welcome here too, guys. Thanks for being here. But um, I love what The Tonight Show did a few years ago, although I had a bad news, good news moment with this because uh, The Tonight Show put this segment together in 2014. And in my brain, I was like, oh, six years ago. And then I realized that's closer to a decade ago than six years ago. So I'm working through that one on my own. But uh, <laughs> The Tonight Show put together this segment uh, that they played that was called Good News and Good News. And uh, check out this clip of it. Uh, finally, guys, it seems like the news is worse than ever, both here in the U.S. and everywhere around the world. It seems like there's nothing but bad news out there. Well, we here at The Tonight Show have decided to do something about that. Uh, so we asked real local NBC News anchors from all around the country to read stories that we wish were true, <laughs> stories that make us feel happy. <laughs> I'll show you what it means in tonight's installment of I've Got Good News and Good News. President Obama and Speaker of the House John Boehner took a hot air balloon ride together to discuss what their favorite color is. According to reports, they each said every color at the exact same time, then hugged and floated off into the sunset. Vladimir Putin says he's over the whole being evil thing and is currently in the process of writing a children's book called The Happy Octopus. There's a new iPhone app out that helps give advice to people going through a divorce, but it didn't sell well in the stores. It appears that everybody is happily married. <laughs> a new study found that water slides, pizza, sunshine, friendship, shooting stars, breath mints, dance parties, and turtles are all awesome. Great news, everybody. Ghosts cannot hurt you. Nobody's <laughs> ever been hurt by a ghost. Ghosts are scary. Nobody's saying they're not. But there is not one reported case of death caused by a ghost. This just ends. Stressed, spelled backwards, is desserts. Think about it. And finally, a new report finds that I love you. Yes, you. I know we haven't met before, but I think about you all the time. And together, we can get through this. It's us against the world, buddy. Oh, you feel better? Okay, so the last guy took it a little too far, right? It was borderline <laughs> creepy, but, but doesn't it genuinely like feel kind of good? Like we're all laughing about it and we know like it's mostly not true. Some of those things are awesome, but uh, like it just feels good to get good news. And uh, I actually had a friend in college who like refused to watch or listen to any 
actual news or mainstream news or anything like that uh, because it was so negative. And so instead, my friend regularly subscribed to a website that actually still exists uh, called the Good News Network. And uh, if this is just free today, okay, if you check out later, you can at least check this out. Uh, the Good News Network, it's literally just a feed full of good news. And this is from yesterday. Like, there's this stunning tomb with a skylight in carved chamber uncovered from the Jin Dynasty. If you care about history, like, that's cool. That's good news, right? Most of the time, the feed is full of just videos of babies and puppies because you can't go wrong with <coughs> cute little baby videos and cute puppies, right? So uh, this organization is on the mission to be an antidote to the barrage of negativity experienced in mainstream media. And we are not going to talk about your opinion on mainstream media today because it's going to get weird, right? That happens every time. Uh, but my point is there is just this natural joy in getting good news. Uh, I was thinking about uh, October of 2012 uh, when I received some good news. I, I remember I heard that there were three new Star Wars movies coming out. And for me, like, that was a big deal because I love Star Wars. And I was a kid when the prequels came out, but they don't really count, right? Because <laughs> it was kind of a letdown. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I was like, man, there's new Star Wars movies. J.J. Abrams was going to direct it, and I like J.J. Abrams. So I was all excited, and I was like, man, I'm going to get to experience Star Wars the way it's supposed to be experienced in the big screen, like in the movie theater. So that was awesome. Uh, more free good news. Like, a couple of days ago, they just announced that three new Star Wars movies are on their way, okay? So... If you're a nerd like me, happy Easter. That's my <laughs> gift to you. It's coming up. On a way more significant um, and equally personal level, uh, I remember this season where we got to announce that we were expecting my daughter, Eden. Uh, it was a few years back, and uh, it was actually in the first round of us planning this church, which if you don't know what I mean by that, talk to me after the service. Um, but we were like making this announcement, and I can just remember all the excitement and the anticipation. We had a friend make this little uh, onesie that I don't think she ever actually fit in, but... Uh, it had like kind of our mantra as a church that season that we want to be for the community. And it, it was just so exciting. Like when you have good news, it, it's exciting to share it. And, and it's kind of contagious when you share it. Like people who love you, people who are excited for you, they lean in and, and they celebrate it as good news as well. There's nothing like good news like that. And even little tiny bits of good news can change the tra trajectory of your day, can't they? Like there's nothing like a Friday where they tell you there's free donuts in the break, break room. You're like, that's good news, right? Uh, here's some that's actually true. Uh, next week, it's going to be sunny and 75, right? That is good news, friends. It's been rough so far, for me at least. Uh, I know it's too soon, but for some of you, it's good news that Purdue loses, right? Ooh. Or are you, okay? Either way, wherever you're at today, we're not going to talk about the Colts, okay? No good news there so far. Uh, but, like, isn't it fascinating that in the midst of all of that, that we call the message of Jesus, that, that we call what we really celebrate here at Easter, we call it good news, and in fact, it's right in some of our most common language about what faith is all about. We call the message of who Jesus is and what he's done by the name the gospel. And it's not a word that we use like in our common language, right? It's kind of a churchy word that's reserved for environments like this. But the gospel, uh, it's a word that actually reveals something really important about the story of Jesus. Because our English word gospel uh, came from the Anglo-Saxon term godspell, which meant good story. And that idea of a good story ultimately was this rendering of some of the original Latin, which was evangelium, and the Greek euangelion, which means good news. This idea of the gospel of Jesus is the good news of Jesus. And in fact, this word shows up throughout scripture. It's a word that Jesus utters in his very first teaching uh, when he begins his public ministry. The story goes that Jesus 
uh, all of like 30 years old, walks into the synagogue, and he does what rabbis do in the synagogue. He, he goes up to the like, pulpit or the little stand, and he takes out the scroll that they were going to read for that day because they always read scripture. And these are the words that Jesus said the first time in his public ministry. Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Or, or it's literally believe the euangelion, the good news. And, and like, I don't think I have to work very hard today to convince you that our world is desperate for good news, right? Our world needs good news. It has never been easier to find bad news at our fingertips, right? It, it, there's a whole industry that manufacturers at least shares good news like 24-7, and it is their job to try and like get our attention fixated on all these negative things because negative things sell more ads, unfortunately. Again, a different topic for a different day, but people are hungry for hope and for purpose and for meaning and for a way to make sense of this life that we're all navigating together. And, and I was reminded of this in 2020, remember that fun year? Uh, right at the very beginning of the chaos, uh, John Krasinski from The Office, he played Jim in The Office, uh, when the world was chaotic, when we were all asking questions about like what is happening right now, he started his own little news broadcast on YouTube that he called Some Good News. And basically what he did is he would just tell good news stories. He would talk about some of the great things that were still happening in the world or some of the people who overcame adversity. And this show caught on like wildfire. It garnered 72 million views and 2.5 million subscribers in just two months. It just ran for this short little season, but it was like this remarkably heartwarming moment in the midst of those uncertain times. And again, knowing all of this, I think it's kind of remarkable that we call the story of Easter good news. Because if you went to the weekend of that very first Easter, there wasn't initially a lot of good news happening. The first Easter really didn't feel like good news at all. And in fact, the oldest gospel or the oldest account that we have of Jesus' life, there's four gospels that are found in the Bible, uh, but they're essentially eyewitness accounts. These guys either saw Jesus and recorded his story or they talked to the people who saw Jesus and they recorded his story. And the oldest one that we have is the gospel of Mark and it ends in a really unusual way. The story starts here. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? So Jesus has been crucified. He's been buried. And these two women are going essentially to mourn their friend Jesus. Uh, they expected Jesus to do what everyone they'd ever heard of who had died before to do, and that's to stay dead. And so they were going to honor their friend. They were going to anoint his body with oil. It was this cultural practice of the day. And then on their way, they realized, oh no, they put that big stone in the way, right? Like, how are we going to get in? Who's going to move that stone? The story continues, and it says, when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And on Easter Sunday, like anymore, we typically like stop right there, right? That's the good news. Jesus is alive. Let's celebrate. Let's have a party. But Mark has one more verse, and, and it's original, like the oldest manuscripts of this resurrection story. This is how Mark wraps it all up. He says, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. 
and then Mark's like, happy Easter. Like, <laughs> well, like, like it just, it's so unresolved, right? And it seems weird. It's like, it's strange because we associate Easter with joy and with celebration. Christ is alive, right? And yet here in Mark, at the very end, the news that Jesus is alive brings not joy, but fear. And why do you think that is? It shows up again in the very first sermon ever given that we know of. Uh, Peter uh, is in Jerusalem a- after the resurrection, just a few months later, and he starts talking about what happened to Jesus. He followed Jesus closely and spoke about what he witnessed, and he ends his first sermon in Jerusalem with basically an accusation. He says, therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And sometimes, like if you've ever read that before, I think sometimes on this side of Easter, like on this side of the resurrection, we read that and we think, oh, they were cut to the heart. They were so inspired, right? But remember what Peter said to these guys like two months ago? He's like, hey, you crucified him, and he's back. And they're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, right? Like, like that's terrible. What shall we do? It, It cut them to the heart and with blood on their hands, these people are crying out, like, what, what should we do? And I mean, it's odd, right? In, in the story, the way that we talk about it as good news, like a couple of days ago, you probably got off of work uh, for a holiday that we call Good Friday, but what we mark on Good Friday is really bad, right? Like, it's when Jesus was crucified. It's when he suffered. And it doesn't seem like there's really a lot that's good about it on the surface. Uh, like, like, did Jesus' death somehow restore the honor to an angry God king who just had to punish someone, and so he took it out on Jesus? And is that good, if that's what God is like? Like, on Good Friday, did God just vent his anger by brutally killing his son so that he could somehow forgive people? Uh, sometimes we talk about faith in these terms, right? We talk about the cross in these terms, and it's almost like we're asked to believe that John's 3.16, the most famous verse, that God so loved the world, actually means that God so hated the world that he had to kill his only begotten son. And, and it's, it's weird, right? It, it doesn't quite add up to call that good news and to call that version of God good. But what I want you to see today is, is that the events of Good Friday, when Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus gave his life, it wasn't God punishing his son, and in fact, uh, regarding this like mistaken but really popular perspective on God, uh, one of my favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, says this. He says, if we arrive at that conclusion, we know that we've not just made a trivial mistake that can be easily corrected, but a major blunder. Because we've portrayed God not as a generous creator, the loving father, but as an angry despot. That idea belongs not to the biblical picture of God, but with pagan beliefs. In other words, we're tempted, and maybe you've experienced this if you've been in church for any amount of time, we're tempted to think God's just angry, right? And he had to like pour that out on someone. He's just like a loose cannon and he'd pick Jesus, I guess, I don't know. But, but man, why is there fear on Easter Sunday? It's because Easter, if we really think about it, it doesn't sound like good news to us either because we know how the world works. And God didn't kill Jesus. We did, right? Like, like what we acknowledge on Easter, like according to the moral calculus of our world, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and a life for a life. And that means that our lives are in the balance because we killed Jesus. And vengeance is like the order of our day. Vengeance is how things typically work. If you've been wronged, you better make it right, right? That's why you get like all powered up in traffic and all that kind of stuff. Like, like this is just in us. It's how the world works. And for us, because of our sin, because of our brokenness, now our lives are under a death sentence. 
And it's a part of this cycle that starts really early on in the story. It's recorded in Genesis that the very first family had this conflict that happened where Cain kills his brother Abel basically in cold blood. And essentially what happens is this cycle of violence is started that we see continuing throughout our world today. That it starts in this one family, but eventually it spreads to a whole community, and eventually this brokenness spreads to nations, and then those nations war against each other, and we can find it everywhere in our world today, can't we? Brokenness, violence, vindictiveness. I mean, it's, again, it's not hard to find. So on one level, the horrifying notion of Easter is that God, who we killed, is back, right? And we know how the story goes. In fact, typically, we love how the story goes. Like, Easter, it's not good news for the guilty because it's very rarely good news to find out that your victim is alive. <laughs> like, like, we know what's coming in these stories. We've seen the movies. Uh, we love the movies. I love the movies. Like, uh, does anybody remember The Count of Monte Cristo? It's a little bit of a throwback. But man, I was thinking about that movie. It's like an awesome revenge story uh, because uh, Edmond Dantes is wrongly betrayed by his friend and he gets locked up in this prison and he grows an awesome beard and uh, then he uh, ends up coming back as the Count of Monte Cristo and he like gets vengeance on the day and like for me I'm like yeah show him right like we've all got that in us uh, even in funny movies right remember the Princess Bride yeah like hello my name is Inoya Mitoya you killed my father prepare to die we love it right like get him uh, gladiator I mean come on that speech in the Colosseum my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. I'm like, yeah, right? Like, get him. Like, hasta la vista, baby, gets us going. Like, you're like, yeah, that's it. I mean, for crying out loud, we're on John Wick 4, okay? You can watch it this afternoon, I think. Like, it's all about revenge, and we know the story. We love the story, it's how we expect the story to go, and as did those who encountered the resurrection for the first time, it seems, right? We understand why they jumped to this conclusion, because almost every story we know works this way. The victim comes back, punishes the bad guys, and the moral calculus of the cosmos is balanced again, and Hollywood's happy, right? Like, like that's how the story goes, and we thrill to see it. We, we like the violence of the victim because we think it's justified violence, so we cheer for it. We're like, yeah, get them. Right? Get your revenge. The victim has been wrong, so everything that the victim does uh, to make things right is considered good and justified. And so in short, like everything about our human psychology and, and everything about human moral history and, and even the Bible up to this point suggests to us that Easter should not be good news for the perpetrators. Right? Easter should not be good news for the ones who betrayed and who fled and who stood at a distance and who called out for his death. And, and all of these, and, and you and I, like, we're going to face the victim on Judgment Day. That's essentially the story of Scripture. And it doesn't seem like that's going to go well for us, right? Because we're guilty. Like, we're a part of the problem. And yet, in a way that we can't fully comprehend, this story ends up going in a radically different direction. It, it goes radically different than any of us would expect or any of us would think because the blood of Jesus doesn't cry out for vengeance. The blood of Jesus isn't like the blood of Cain, right, who, who started this violent cycle that went on and on and on. And in fact, I'm sorry, the blood of Abel. In fact, the author of uh, the letter that we now know of as the book of Hebrews, it was this first century letter written to Jewish Christians who previously had been Jewish and then they encountered Jesus and they're trying to figure out what that means and, and what it looks like to follow him faithfully. This letter was written and the author puts it this way. They say, Jesus 
the mediator of a new covenant or, or the person who's at the center of this new kind of relationship that we can have with God and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, there was this murder that happened and the blood of Abel spoke of violence and of vengeance, but Jesus, and Jesus' blood speaks a better word. And what is that better word? It's that when we want to cry out vengeance, the blood of Jesus cries out peace. That, that when we want to cry out guilty, the blood of Jesus cries out forgiveness. And this is so, so, so radically important to understand. If you want to understand what Easter is about, and if you really want to understand what Jesus and following him is all about, like Jesus' death, when it occurred, it, it's not what happened because God inflicted it on Jesus to satisfy his own wrath. Again, that, that has worked its way into our culture and our language about faith so often. But the cross is not what God inflicted in order to forgive. The cross is what God in Christ endured as he forgives. Right? It's such an important distinction. The cross isn't like God punishing Jesus, but rather the cross is it's Jesus showing solidarity with us. It's so important to clarify this. The cross, sometimes we think the cross is like this moment where Jesus changed God's mind somehow, right? Like God's just raging. We've heard about angry Old Testament God. And then it's like Jesus shows up and he's like, dad, quit it. And he calms down or whatever. It was more complicated than that. But, but that's kind of the picture that we get, right? That somehow Jesus changed God's mind about us. But the cross is not where Jesus changes God, but it's where Jesus reveals God. On Good Friday, Jesus doesn't save us from God. He reveals God as a savior. He, he reveals God as the one who comes alongside us and enters into our brokenness. In fact, you know what Jesus prayed during his darkest moment? I mean, as he's being crucified, Jesus looks out at the perpetrators and ultimately looks at us, right? All of us who are guilty of this brokenness. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Isn't that incredible? Like, like on Good Friday, Jesus didn't satisfy the bloodlust of an angry God, but rather the sin of the world in a moment was drawn into the infinite gravity of God's grace that's available for each and every one of us. And, and then on Easter, right, Easter reveals to us that we don't receive the judgment day that we're expecting, we don't receive the judgment day that really we're deserving because at Easter, our victim returns to us and shows us the wounds that we've inflicted, right? It happened and yet brings no hate, no bloodlust, no condemnation, no revenge, only love and forgiveness and grace and peace. There's this famous sermon I heard a little clip of uh, on Good Friday. It's by a guy named Alistair Begg, which if you've never heard of him, you should go check him out because he's Scottish and he's got an amazing accent. Like, I'm sorry, you have to listen to me for 30 minutes because I got like two of him. And I'm like, man, more, right? But anyway, uh, he, he tells this story basically imagining the thief on the cross who was next to Jesus on that Good Friday. There's these two thieves and one is just hurling insults at Jesus and criticizing him. Uh, but the other one seems open, right? The other one is like, hey, Jesus, like, I believe you. And Jesus turns to this man who's done nothing good, by the way, right? He's dying a thief. He's dying a criminal's death. And Jesus says to this man, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. And Alistair Begg in this sermon talks about what it, it must have been like at the gates of heaven when this thief shows up. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what, what have you done to justify getting in here? Right? And he's like, nothing. Right? Like, <laughs> I have done nothing good. I was like bad up to the very end. And they're like, but you, you think you're in? Like, you think you belong? He's like, well, he said so. 
And I can imagine like the angel at the gates, like, let me get my manager. Right? <laughs> and like they go in and, and they're like, I, I don't know. I mean, the track record doesn't look good, man. Right? Like he, he did nothing. He did nothing good. He did nothing to redeem himself. He was literally dying as a criminal. And Jesus says, no, we're going to change that. And, and all he has at those gates is to say, hey, Jesus says I'm in. Right? I, do, I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. And neither did we. Right? There's nothing that we bring to the table to this relationship except a willingness to accept a gift. A, a willingness to receive a different way of being in our world that is so caught up in this cycle of violence. Right? Easter tells us that another world is possible than the world that we find ourselves trapped in. And, and the joy of Easter, in an odd way, it seems requires first a wave of fear. <laughs> it, it requires us to recognize what happened. And then the joy of Easter is the joy of relief. It, it is the joy of finding ourselves inexplicably forgiven, not because of anything that we've done. And in accepting that forgiveness, we step into this new story, this new way of becoming that is so, 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 so different than the cycle and the rounds of victimage and violence and vengeance that we find in our world everywhere. You know what another point today? This is the good news of Easter. It's that the resurrection of Jesus breaks the cycle of brokenness. That the resurrection of Jesus, it breaks the cycle of living by the sword and dying by the sword. And listen, you're like, Eric, I don't own a sword, okay? Like, but, but, like for all of us, like some of us, we carry stuff that's physical or stuff that's emotional or social or verbal or psychological, right? There's so many ways we found to wound each other in this world and all of us carry the baggage of that reality in our lives. There are so many kinds of swords that we can live and die by. But when we step into Jesus' story, we set those weapons aside. We, we lay that down, right? We don't have to live in the cycle of an eye for an eye and a life for a life. We don't have to live in the cycle of vengeance. We have a new story and a new way to live. As we receive forgiveness from our victim, we then can pass that forgiveness forward, shutting down the cycle of violence and hate. Like it, it can stop with us, or more precisely, it stops with Jesus because Jesus chose a different way. Like, again, Jesus, he was the victim. He had every right to come back and be like, I'm back, guys. You seen the Terminator? Here I go. Like, he had every right, but he chose to lay down that right to set things right, right, to break the cycle, to create a different way of being. The victim who returned on Easter starts this new story that ends up in a new heaven and a new earth where everything is made new. And as we forgive others, Jesus says, so we will be forgiven and we'll be invited in. The resurrection is the breaking of the cycle. And, and while at Easter, normally we celebrate like Jesus's one triumphal victory over death, and certainly that's like at the epicenter of the story, we also tend to forget that the resurrection gives us power over all of the little deaths that we face every single day in our lives. Right? All of the, the little moments, the cycles of anger and defensiveness and pettiness and greed and jealousy and envy and all those things that cause our days to just circle and circle and circle and be less than God's best for us. Jesus promised to make all of that new. He, he's going to make everything new, including us. And so what that means on this Easter is we don't need to be victims of anger and resentment and grudges. And we don't have to be trapped in the violent cycle of repaying evil for evil. Because yesterday's mistakes don't hold us hostage in today's present. Right? There's a new way that we can be in the world. And, and don't get me wrong, it takes some faith. It, it takes some work and some working out. But the good news of Easter is that in the power 
of the risen Jesus, we can break the cycles that are breaking us. We can find a different way to be in the world. You can live a life that breaks free of the cycle of repeating failure because Jesus made a new future possible for us. Uh, Paul told the church in Galatia, again, an early group of Jesus followers, this good news in this way. He says it's for freedom that Christ has made us free. Stand firm then and don't submit to a yoke of slavery again. It sounds obvious, right? But it's for freedom that you are set free. You're meant to live free from that cycle that we all tend to fall into. And Easter is not just about the shock of being forgiven by our victim, but Easter is about us choosing to live under the blood of Jesus rather than the blood of Abel. Like, like Easter is us choosing to live a different kind of way, and it's about us learning how to speak those better words, like peace and love and forgiveness and grace in a world that is trapped in reciprocal bouts of violence from the petty to the like warring nations, right? It's gonna be so small and so big at the same time. And the invitation for us is to learn to forgive as we've been forgiven. I'll wrap up by sharing with you how the Apostle Paul talked about this invitation for us. Uh, He wrote about it uh, in the letter uh, that we know as 2 Corinthians. In the Corinthian church, there was a lot happening, okay? You think your life's crazy, like, they were up to all of it. And that's why there's two letters. He's like, I gotta write another one. But, but in the second letter to the Corinthian church, here's what Paul says. He says, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Right? There's Easter right there. That Jesus died, that one died for all and so all can live in this death and resurrection story, that there's a different way of being, that we don't have to live for ourselves. But in living for Jesus, we find this new way of being. And he goes on, says, So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Some of you need to print that out and put it on your monitor at work, right, or, or on your dashboard, because you know what you do in traffic. Right? We, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, that view that's caught in the cycle of vengeance and violence. We view no one in that way because something's different, right? Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God is making his appeal through us. That's what it looks like for us to live in light of Easter. Here's the point. Today is Easter Sunday. And today Christians proclaim that our victim has come back from the dead and is now looking for us. And it's news that should make us want to hide. It's news that should make us run in fear or cry out, what shall we do? By any human reckoning, Easter should not be good news. But it is. And in light of that, we're going to invite the band back up. And we're going to play one more song, but really I just want you to take space to process what you've heard and to find yourself in the midst of the story. To, to consider, like, like, where are you as it relates to this cycle that our world is caught in? Are you perpetuating it? Are you caught in the bitterness and the craziness and the anger and the whatever that we're all trapped up in? Or are you a person who has received the gift of God's grace? 
If you've never embraced that for yourself, the invitation is wide open for all of us. The, the invitation is right, wide open right now. And maybe for you, this Easter 2023 needs to be a day that you put a flag in the ground and you say, no, I, I get it. I don't understand it, right? I have questions. I'm trying to figure out what it means. But man, I, I want to be free from this cycle of brokenness and brokenness and brokenness that I'm stuck in. That can be true for you today. And, and for others of us in the room who maybe you've embraced that already, right? You know the moment or maybe just the season in your life where it all clicked for you and you're like, man, I believe this Jesus stuff and I don't understand it, but I know I need the grace and I'm gonna follow it. If that's you, then here's our response today. It's that we're supposed to be reconcilers, that we don't just take forgiveness for ourselves, but every broken place we see around us, it's our job to go into it and it's to break that cycle. It's to choose the better way of Jesus. Jesus came to give life, not to destroy he came to rescue the lost, not reject the broken. And many people saw him as an answer. Some people saw him as a threat. But he was a sinless man who was led to a sinner's death. But death could not defeat him. And the grave could not hold him because he came to set us free. And so in light of that, again, you can receive the good news today that another way of being is possible, that another world is possible. And because Jesus is alive, we can break those broken cycles too. We can become reconciled reconcilers who are reconciled to God and so we start reconciling with everyone else around us. But where are you at with that? As we sing this song, spend some time, maybe talking to God, maybe just evaluating yourself. Maybe for you, it's a moment where you like receive that gift and you're like, God, I really believe it. I, I know I need the grace and I really believe that it's available for me. You can do that right now. Or maybe it's a time where you think about what your relationships and your relationship in this world looks like and you take inventory of your response to this good news. But either way, let's respond together. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.